Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. This month, Pastor Fred Oyola takes us through the Book of Romans in the heart of the matter. The power of God and the resulting predicament. One of the things that we talked about, I think week one or two, is where do you get your power from? Where? We are just looking deeper into this situation today. One of the issues of us as human beings is each one of us has a place where we get our power from. There is. There is something that defines you, that you've given all of your attention to. The problem is it may not be Jesus. And if it's not, you're going to get frustrated a lot. And so today I pray in the name of Jesus that if you know that you know that you know that there's a place you've given power to, we begin the switch. Slowly but surely. It may not be happen today. But decide in your heart of hearts from today, I will choose to give all power to him. The more we do that, as we'll see, the more we'll be fine. We've just looked at the problem of sin that plagues us, the way out that God provided and continues to provide. And so now we look further into the power of God and the resulting predicament. We left off last week on chapter 6 of Romans. And so we begin today at the same place and finish at chapter 11. I will urge us by the mercies of God to continue looking at the book of Romans. Find time. It's only 16 chapters. If you'd give it at least an hour and a half, you may actually read through it. If you give it a day, you may actually study most of it. If you give it a week, you may actually preach it here next month. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's okay. Chapter 6 and verse 4 begins by informing us of this power of God. It tells us that we sinners were therefore buried with him to through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The power of God raised Jesus from the dead through his glory. And this is the power of God we are talking about today. Very quickly, we are reminded in chapter 6 again that we must not only partake in this new power of God in resurrection, but we must also participate in his death. This is what Paul's letter to the Philippians talks about in chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. I love these verses. Whew. They are difficult, but I love them. They basically tell us we have to know God in his resurrection, but we also must know him in his sufferings. We love the messages of, ah, the Lord will bless you. Those messages, we love them. Because God has lifted you up. He's a, he's a good God. He's a kind God. He is the most powerful in all the universe. Those messages, we love them. But the messages of, God may allow you to wait for that spouse. Young people, praise the Lord. Mm. 
The message is of, hey, actually, you might go through what you're going through for a little while longer because he's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Those ones you don't love. And so the book of Philippians is very powerful in that. It tells us we must know him not only in his resurrection but in his sufferings. Do you know him in his sufferings? Ama, in the suffering spaces, it tells us that the power of God crucified the old man with Jesus on the cross and resurrected us with him by giving us, through his power, a new man, a self that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to God. This new man, new self, has also been blessed with the power over death, which was the old man's demise. Old man, new man. Paul then finishes off chapter 6 by indulging further into the issue of the practical ways this resurrection and life in Jesus is to be carried out. Let's read Romans 6, verse 11 to 18. If you can turn there, it's fine, but allow me to read Romans 6, verse 11 to 18. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. 14, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God, verse 17, that through, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin, verse 18, and have become slaves to righteousness. He then finishes off the chapter in verse 23 with the famous statement, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. There's something here that I really want us to just take a minute in. The power of God crucified the old man with Jesus on the cross and resurrected us with him by giving us, through his power, a new man, a self that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to God. A new man, a self that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to God. This new man, the new self, has also been blessed with power over death, which was the old man's demise. One of the things we must learn as people who have accepted Jesus is the fruits that we enjoy of no death, of eternal life, are from the new man that rose up with Christ. It is the gift we get. We need to understand that what happened on the cross when we accept Jesus, we are 
taking on exactly what he went through. When he died, the old man, old man being the cursed Adam. Remember what Adam went through when he accepted the apple from his wife? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> when he accepted that, sin entered man. Now when Jesus Christ died, that old man died. Here's a problem though. The old man was the major contributor of sin. We know that. But there's still your flesh and the devil which are still alive. When you become born again, your flesh does not die. It is the old man who has died. We need to get the difference. Because sometimes you're struggling and you're like, Kwan is See, I thought, fire. The Lord came from heaven. That is your flesh and the influence of the devil. And so we must begin to walk in the new man that comes upon us. Because when Jesus rose, the new man when we accepted him. But now our flesh and the devil are still present. No wonder we are still told sin is for all of us. Guys, I need us to understand that even though you are going through what you are going through, the power of God that emanates from the cross still lives in you if you have accepted him. It is up to now you, because the Bible teaches us that we must now put our flesh in death. Remember Joseph? Remember Joseph? That's what it means. It means saying to the flesh, uh-uh, boss, the new man in me demands righteousness. Remember what we said? Grace dwells in righteousness. God wants the direction to be this way. It is not to say you're not going to sleep every once in a while. But righteousness must be our goal. Whenever that time comes, uh-uh, the old man is gone. You, you, you do not have the old man inside of you. Praise the Lord. Chapter 7 begins by further exploring the differences between the old man and the new man. With much emphasis upon the law. The commandments. The laws of God. Because of how Paul describes the law. One might be tempted to think. One might be tempted to think that there is something wrong with the law. Because of how he talks about it, but that we are no longer under the law, you might assume that there's something wrong. You might assume that even in 2019, there's something off with it. My hope is that you will understand that the law is not wrong. There's nothing utterly wrong with God's law given to his children. Some of us still think that there's something wrong with God's laws. That they're not right, good, holy. Let's read Romans 7, verse 7 to 20. Romans 7, verse 7 to 20. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Verse 8, but sin... Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in me every kind of coveting, every kind of rebellion. 
For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive, apart from the law, before the law came, I was alive. I was okay. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life because of rebellion and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. And through the commandment put me to death. So then, verse 12, the law is holy. The commandment is holy. It is righteous. It is good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is in sin living in me. Verse 18, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, eh, these I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. I think that is self-explanatory, guys. It is strange how you know what you need to do. Do you know those days you wake up in the morning and you're like, Leo, aki, aki, Leo. Leo, tunaka two hours in the present. Leo. Masoma yo, Psalms, aki, maka ni kuemutu wa Psalms. Then kidoki dogo ka text kamingia mazume watch the new series. Manze, that thing is powerful. Man. There's this other one we were watching yesterday. Something us. What's the name? When we, when they see us. How many have watched when they see us? My goodness. I need to watch the three now. Then when you're done, three hours later, you're like, ah, I was supposed to. The things we want to do, the things we need to do, we don't. If that is you. Hang in there. Paul finishes off chapter 7 by beautifully acknowledging the state of struggle. But thanks God for the victory in Jesus. Guys, we must always remember, even in those times, that victory is still ours. We received him. He lives in us. Paul does not pretend that looking to Jesus takes away the struggle. Jesus works through us, not instead of us. He does not separate you from the struggle and just works on the struggle and then brings you back when the struggle is finished. Mm -mm. He works through us, not instead of us, in the battle against sin. Chapter 7 then shows us that the power in doing what is right, being holy, belongs to God. You cannot fight the battle in being holy by yourself. That, you know this statement, holier than thou, because guys can tell, you can never win that battle by yourself, guys. The power to be holy belongs to Jesus. 
the power to do what is right. No wonder we say, Jehovah, help me today to do what is right. Help me to read your word. And not just read, understand. Not just understand, teach it to others. Help me to walk the path you've laid for me. That is God's doing. He is the power. Please remember. The power in doing what is right, being holy, belongs to God. And he gives it. Present in the new man. As we continue to surrender our lives to Jesus and let him live out victory through us, we acknowledge his power over sin. The more you continue to surrender to him, the more you continue to say, Jehovah, have your way. The more you continue to lay your life before him and say, imagine, I think it's only you, Ama. The more we do that, the more we're acknowledging, eh, actually, power belongs to God. Praise the Lord. Chapter 8, guys, we're almost done. Chapter 8 of the book explains to us that we can never have condemnation. We can never have defeat and separation from God. Because of what he did on the cross, after we have accepted him, we can never be condemned, defeated, and separated from him. Verse 1 gives a powerful statement, chapter 8, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 11 tells us that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, your flesh, because of his spirit who lives in us. And finally, verse 38 and 39 end on a very encouraging note telling us that Paul is convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, powers, height, depth, Anything else in all creation will be able to separate you and I from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These few books have shown us, showed, showed us God's power. They are telling us what the power of God really is. Number one, we've seen the power of God crucify the old man within us. You no longer have sin the old man's sin inside of you. It crucified that old man with Jesus on the cross, thereby giving us power over sin and death. You and I now have power over sin and death. You can actually say, mm -mm, you have that power inside of you because of what he did. Nowadays, the issue is we give more power to the sin than to us who have the power over sin. Think about it. We give more power to sin than to the God who now lives in us and has power over sin. Think about that. Number two, the power of God resurrected us with Jesus Christ by giving us a new man that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to him. In your heart of hearts, guys, because of what Christ did, you are the most obedient person ever. In your heart of hearts, because of what Christ has done in your life. 
See, he gave you a new heart, a new person. You are so obedient, Aki, you, you can't even believe it. You are so holy in your heart of hearts. He should only act a flesh and the influence of the enemy who still lives here with us. Number three, the power to do what is right. Being holy belongs to God. It belongs to him. It is not now your strength. Dio is doing it through you, but don't assume that is you. It is his power. So always acknowledge that if you want to fight and fight well. So finally, from chapters 9 through to 11, Paul delivers a powerful explanation of his sorrow and sadness over the nation of Israel. This is the predicament. We've talked about the power. So in closing, then what is this predicament? This unpleasantness. What, what is the issue then? You are Captain America. So what, what's the problem? You know that feeling? Superman. What's, what's the issue? Especially considering the power of God we've just talked about. In chapter 9, he talks about the choice of Israel by God. He goes back. Being an Israelite himself, Paul now goes back and starts talking about his people. What were Israel? And he delivers a powerful explanation of his sorrow and sadness over the nation where he comes from. The predicament of unpleasantness in question, especially considering the power of God. He is talking about the difference in the unbelief of Israel and the belief we, the new children of God, the new Israel have. Let me just read quickly Romans chapter 9, verse 30 to 33. The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, as the way of righteousness, have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. If I obey commandment number one, Nikosawa. If I don't kill, hey, maze, me nikofiti. If I just make sure, maze, I love my neighbor, me nikosawa. Hey, guys, that was this guy's problem. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Chapter 10, quickly, he goes back to the issue of salvation and how that can happen even for the present Israelite person and how it happened with the prophets of old and the present believers. He finishes chapter 11 by giving a promise of how God still intends to save the Israelites, referring both to the nation and the believers. He finishes off the chapter with a beautiful song glorifying God through a song. Allow me to read quickly in closing Romans 11, 33 to 36. All the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Let's say amen. Paul finally in closing is giving some stern warnings from the issue of being an Israelite who was a Jew. You know the Jews back then remember how they just obeyed the law. They thought the law was the way to heaven. They thought that by doing the right things before him God will just give them access to heaven. 
eternal life. Then Jesus comes and tells them, eh -eh, there is a way to eternal life and that is through me. If you want to get to the Father, accept me into your heart. That is still the way today. We, the believers right now, number one, are God's children of promise. Just as Isaac was. We must remember that. Because if we don't, then we're not living in the power that we've just talked about. That's the predicament. Number two, God's mercy was and never will be just limited to the children of the nation of Israel. As they th so thought. They actually assumed we are the most holy. Look at that attitude. Some pastors, some of us have them. I am holy. Hallelujah. Never get that. Those who consider themselves Christian also consider that as well. But you must remember that the mercy of God, the mercy of Jesus Christ goes out to all, all, all mankind. Never assume that at the, because Kenya is a Christian nation, that just because a place that is a Muslim nation, a place or such and such is a Muslim nation, at the mercy of God does not still reach there. It does. God is still in the business of saving souls. He's still in the business of bringing all mankind to him. Never assume you are holier than anyone else. Amen? Salvation still stands today. Through confessing with one's mouth and believing in one's heart that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God who died on the cross for the sin of all mankind. So whoever believes today will be saved. That has not changed. If you're still looking for Jesus, he is still in the business of saving. If you've never received him, consider it and consider it soon because time is running out. Contrary to popular belief, God's ministers are still being sent today to preach this good news. And more are needed. The great verse in the Gospels, Matthew 9, 37, tells us the harvest, we know it, is plenty. But the laborers are few. The saddest thing, though, is many have chosen still not to believe and follow. Not to believe even in Jesus and follow. Paul has called them the disobedient and contrary people. How sad. Most ministers, as we know today, are quitting on the gospel. But God still needs ministers. He still needs you and I. We don't have to be on the pulpit. Even right where you are, you can still be light. Light in this, to, to this generation. I urge you by the masses of God. Be that light. Bring them to the knowledge of Jesus. Show them the power of God. Remind them of the new man that lives in them. Because the more we do that, the more we are loving him. Those who God rejected like his nation Israel, and those who are still rejecting him today will again be grafted in through the saving work of Jesus Christ. God is giving time and mercy. But remember, time is running out. Time is running out. Time is running out, guys. If you have a friend, tell them. If you have a family member, tell them. Time is running out. Jesus, as we know, is coming. 
please remember in closing the power of God crucified the old man within us with Jesus on the cross and gave us power over sin. You have power over sin and death inside of you. We understand the death bit because we understand eternal life. But one of the things our believers today don't understand is we have power over sin. If you can remember anything today, please remember that. The power of God resurrected us, us with Jesus Christ, thereby giving us a new man that is instinctively obedient and pleasing to him. Instinctively, in your heart, in your newness with Jesus, you are obedient and pleasing to him. Let grace flow in those areas. Let grace flow. Finally, the power to do what is right, being holy, belongs to God. And he gives it present in the new man. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.